Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Christeries. I'm Chris DiStefano, aka Christery DiStefano. And today I want to do a little video about a place that's near and dear to my heart. It is home to the New York Rangers. It is home to the New York Knicks. It was even home to the Nazis for a day. And it is home to me on September 23rd. We are talking about Madison Square Garden, the history of Madison Square Garden, all its different locations. And it's going to be fun, fun, fun. All right, let's set the scene. It's the late 1800s and New York is growing like my prostate. It is a fun time to be here. We got the slums, we got the gangs in New York, we got a bunch of stuff. So what else do we need? We got a lot of entertaining people on the streets, but we need to find an entertainment venue for them to perform so we can pay money to see them and then we can use our money and spend our money so we're not just only using it on prostitutes. So New York, New York City needed a space for a wide range of entertainment options. We have, you know, we have circuses, boxing matches, bicycle races, everything else. So we're like, we need a spot. Who do we need? We need a guy you've heard of. We need a very famous man, someone whose name is synonymous with fun, fun, fun. Please bring in Phineas Taylor Barnum, better known as P.T. Barnum, one of the most famous showmen and circus promoters of all time. And he built the first of what would go on to become three different Madison Square Gardens, but numero uno, P.T. Barnum. The original Madison Square Garden opened in 1879, good year, near Madison Square Park and had a seating capacity of 10,000. Just a little baby one. It was just a little baby garden. 10,000 seats. It was called the Great Roman Hippodrome. That was the original name of it, not Madison Square Garden. I think that they should go back and call it the Great Roman Hippodrome. I'll be performing at the Great Roman, Roman Hippodrome in New York City on September 23rd. P.T. Barnum, what, he, what did he do? Well, we all know P.T. Barnum. He hosted circuses, he hosted sporting events, popular bike, bicycle race, boxing matches, which were illegal at the time. You couldn't have boxing matches. What a bad world. You could not have boxing matches. Now you can do whatever you want. Now we have MMA. You can rip a guy's head off. <laughs> okay, and by the way, the boxing matches were uh, presented as illustrated lectures. So that's what it was. We called it an illustrated lecture, not a boxing match. So that's the first Madison Square Garden. Then there were two more. Let's go to MSG2. So let's bring in the Vanderbilts. William Vanderbilt purchased the arena in 1879, and he renamed it Madison Square Garden, as we still know it today. This name was chosen because of its proximity to Madison Square Park. He bought MSG because he saw potential in the location. He wanted to improve the venue, and he recognized the commercial opportunity for profits through various events. He was like, listen, if I'm going to sell it, and they're going to come. So that's 1879. So we got the first Madison Square Garden in 1879. P.T. Barnum and Bailey, William Vanderbilt, they're all in. They're like, let's do it. And then what happens? 11 years later, they're like, you know what? We like it, but we don't love it. So MSG2 is born. With it. It's more modern. It's more architecturally impressive. And it was designed by the architect Stanford White. And it was built on the same site and opened in 1890. So the first garden, the first garden only lasted 11 years. Now, despite being an iconic New York centerpiece, Madison Square Garden 2 would never really turn a profit, okay? After repeated efforts, the building was demolished to make way for what is now the New York Life Building. So the New York Life Building, which I think sells insurance, is where the old Madison Square Garden was. So New York City was growing as a city, right? As a sprawling urban metropolis where all our major parks and buildings, we were naming after those people who shaped America. So the park was named after our fourth president and founding father, 
James Madison. That's why it's called Madison Square Garden. And that's why the new arena actually being built on the west side, which is under construction right now, is going to be called Trump Arena. With the loss of Madison Square Garden, the city again found itself in need of a new arena. New York City needs an arena. Okay, this isn't Oakland. All right, we, we need an arena. We're in New York City. So 1925, over 25 blocks away, Vente y Cinco, for my Spanish-speaking audience, MSG3 opened. MSG3, and it opened at 50th Street and 8th Avenue. The arena could seat over 18,000 fans. That's a lot of Yeezys. But most of them found their sight lines blocked, okay, bad seating, and then the air was uncirculated, so it was stuffy and hazy with cigarette smoke, okay? It smelled like Aunt Colleen's apartment. Now, despite these shortcomings, MSG3 was a critical part of a rapidly growing city, okay? Political rallies were held there, title fights, religious revivals, thousands of ticket holders nightly. Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Monroe sang that, you know, rendition of happy birthday, Mr. President, happy birthday to you. She sang that famous song, which we've all seen, in J uh, to JFK, happy birthday to JFK in Madison Square Garden 3 Arena. And then a couple of years later, he had his head blown off. After nearly 50 years, 50 years being in the same spot, customers' expectations overwhelmed the agent building. The building was getting old. It wasn't on testosterone replacement therapy yet like my manager. And it was just didn't really know what to do to keep its vitality. So it was, it was time for a new, better Madison Square Garden. Plans for the demolition of MSG3 coincided with the search for a new address. Okay, the city had grown. I told you, it grew and grew and grew since the 1920s. And space was, as an all, was at an all-time primo, okay? That puts some of New York's most beautiful architecture in the crosshairs because we need to make money. So MSG closed. It closed. Then it relocates to Penn Station for a modern central location to align with Penn Station's redevelopment plans providing improved facilities and maintaining that MSG legacy. It was designed by architect Charles Luckman and it opened in 1968 and that's where it still is today. The modern Madison Square Garden features a 20,000 seat arena, a smaller 5,000 seat theater where I'll be performing September 23rd and events go from hockey to basketball to concerts. They even have a rodeo. They have a rodeo that draws millions of fans for everyone. They have a rodeos and they're a great home to um, young Latino gay comics like me. <laughs> why is madison square garden known as the most famous arena in the world why does it have the mystique it has well first it's located between 31st and 33rd streets on 7th and 8th avenue on manhattan's west side you cannot drive to new york and not see the garden not drive past the garden not hear about the garden new york city we are the garden okay most of us have apartments and we don't have backyards so our garden is madison square garden that's where we go. That's where we do. That's where we go to our plants. That's where we do our shopping. Madison Square Garden is crucial for New York City. It opened on February 11, 1968, with the salute to the USO, hosted by Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. And guess who I'm going to have closing my show? The show, this venue opened 1968 with Bing Crosby. I'm going to do my show September 23rd, 2023. And guess who's closing it? Bing Bong Nems, the rapper Nems. It's going to be a little surprise guest. So if you haven't gotten tickets to MSG, NEMS is in the building.
It is unique. Why is it unique? Well, because it's situated directly above Penn Station, one of the busiest train stations in the world, making it the world's only vertically integrated sports and entertainment arena atop a major transportation hub. No other arena in the world has that. It is so convenient to get to Madison Square Garden using public transportation. You literally never have to go outside. You come right up and boom, you're in the building. And it's so convenient. The integration not only provides convenience for its attendees, and it plays this crucial role in making it the world's most famous arena. But artists themselves, like really, really popular artists, it's so easy to get them in and out. You can get them underground, tunnels, back doors. It's so simple. Nobody ever knows when they're coming in and out. The Madison Square Garden is, I've been to a bunch of arenas to watch different events. Nobody, it's, nobody's even close to Madison Square Garden. It is number one by a landslide, which is how Trump is polling in the Republican primary right now. This place, I mean, it's a one of a kind from their refrigeration to their flooring technology. It is just the absolute best. You know, when you're in Madison Square Garden, it's like either there's only one. It's just Madison Square Garden. No other arena even looks like it feels like it. The way when you go to basketball games, the way they dim kind of the floor, the way they like light it is special. Like I, there's a lot of things I can explain about Madison Square Garden and a lot of things I can't because it's just so dope. Okay, how about this? The iconic MSG ceiling. It's the only arena ceiling in the world that is concave rather than convex, okay? Concave, like my chest, just concaved in rather than convex. It also features sound absorptive acoustic insulation allowing for the sound quality that makes it a concert mecca. If you've listened to any artist, any comedian that I know that's done it, it's like, Dude, the sound at MSG is wild. So let's go to the major moments in this iconic place, not talking about September 23rd, 2023, which we'll be adding to the list because if it does not sell out, I will kill myself on stage. All right, 1939. This is one we're all sad we missed. Rally for the Nazis, folks. It was organized by the German American Bund, a pro-Nazi organization active in the United States during the 1930s. The rally featured pro-Nazi propaganda, which I'm not saying that's the merch I'll be selling September 23rd, but it could be incorporated, um, including speeches, banners, and symbols. Obviously, I'm just kidding. I'm selling full yarmulkes that say, fuck the Nazis on them. It served as a platform for the dissemination of Nazi ideology and anti-Semitic views within the United States, okay? Because here's the thing. By 1939, the Nazis, the, you know, the, the horrors of the Holocaust and all that, it wasn't, we, it wasn't known to the public yet. So in 1939, the Nazi party was just another party that some Americans thought was like, a, you know, this right-leaning, you know, it was like, a, it was like being a, like an extreme liberal or extreme Republican. Like, it was just a party, right, that, that were doing some extreme stuff. They didn't know anything yet. So Madison Square Garden and other venues were like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just politics. Like, nobody was getting hurt yet. The speeches were explicitly anti-Semitic and tirades against job-taking Jewish refugees were met with thunderous applause. They demanded a white Gentile America. They denounced Roosevelt as Rosenfeld and they said that Roosevelt was in the pocket of rich Jews. So they were really turning up the heat in Madison Square Garden in 1939, going kind of wild. Um, there was a giant portrait of George Washington right behind them in this Nazi rally that was no afterthought. One of the things they tried to do was to say that this is what America has always been and this is what the founding fathers would have supported, okay? That's what they said. I mean, James Madison, who the arena was named after, was literally spinning in his grave, okay? <laughs> he was spinning in his grave. They could not, he, could, he did not want the garden to be built for these views. They referred to Washington as America's first fascist, Okay, that's, no. He was not America's first fascist, even though he didn't have slaves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this event, 
obviously, rightfully so, generated public outrage and condemnation. Many Americans, including political leaders and organizations, strongly opposed the rally and the promotion of Nazi beliefs in, on American soil, which I do. The U.S. government increased surveillance and legal action against pro-Nazi and fascist organizations, and this event contributed to a crackdown on such groups during World War II. So although it was fine and legally allowed to go in there, very quickly we were like, no, we're not doing this. We're not doing this at all. So good on the garden. Prize picks. You know me. What I like talking about, one thing that gets me going in the morning is independently owned daily fantasy sports. That's what I like, folks. Football season is back. Sporting season is upon us. You got to go with daily fantasy sports, and prize picks is the one for you. First of all, it's the most fun because you can win up to 25 times your money because what they do is you select, like in the NFL, you'll select two or more players and you'll pick more or less on their projected stats and then you place your entry. It's that simple. So you're just doing more or less. You don't have to get into a thousand different variables. So what you do is basically it's simple to play. You make the picks, you submit your entry, and then in, you submit your entry in less than 60 seconds, and then you get these quick withdrawals. It's easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players and stat types. That's what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Like, you know, say, like for example, this week on Prize Picks, are you going to select Saquon Barkley for going more than 60 yards or Patrick Mahomes for more than two passing touchdowns? It's like you just pick one and then bang, that's how you win money. And just, you know, you got Odell Beckham Jr. for more than 50 yards, Josh Allen for more than two passing touchdowns. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to the big payouts like Taco Tuesday, which is big in my house. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value, folks. All right. So right now, if you go to prizepicks.com slash and use code Christeries for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars that pr that's prizepicks.com slash christeries use the code christeries first deposit match up to a hundred dollars prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy let's face it after a night of drinks i don't bounce back the way i used to okay getting older it's tougher and tougher so i have to make a choice either have a great night out or a great next day that is until i found z biotics okay have you ever skipped a workout because of the drinks the night before, yeah, I know I have. If you're committed to your healthy routine this year, then you need Z-Biotics, okay? We all have busy lives these days and can't afford to waste a day stuck on the couch because of a few drinks the night before. Well, Z-Biotics is the answer you're looking for. It's a pre-alcohol probiotic, the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists, so very, very smart, to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink alcohol, it gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Z-Biotics produce an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it most. Just remember to drink the Z-Biotics before drinking alcohol, drink responsibly, and get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. That's all you gotta do. I'm telling you, Z-Biotics, it really, really, really works. I used it uh, about a week or two ago. They sent some to me. And I drank pretty heavily. I felt good, got what I needed to get done, done. And it's awesome. So right now, make sure you stock up before the long weekend. Your friends and family will thank you. And by the way, we're going to give you a nice discount right now. Go to zbiotics.com slash to get 15% off your first order when you use Christeries at checkout. That's C-H-R-I-S. 
T-O-R-I-E-S at checkout. You can also sign up for a subscription using my code. You can stay prepared no matter the time or the occasion. Zbiotics is backed with 100% money-back guarantee. If you're unsatisfied for any reason, they refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, go to zbiotics.com slash Christeries. Use the code Christeries at checkout, 15% off your order. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so remember that Marilyn Monroe thing? That was 1962. You know, everybody knows JFK, but did you know he was a low-key fuckboy? Well, we'll tell you, he was. That's why I voted for him. MSG, they hosted a fundraising gala for the Democratic Party. So we have the Nazi Party in 1939, and we have the Democratic Party in 1962, both hosting events in Madison Square Garden. And a lot of people are asking, who's worse? And I don't know. So MSG, sorry. So MSG, they hosted this fundraising gala. It was to celebrate President Kennedy's upcoming 45th birthday. More than 15,000 people attended. You had all the celebs there. Sammy Davis Jr., Maria Callas, Henry Fonda, and of course, my girl, Marilyn Monroe. I mean, go check out Marilyn Monroe. Even though it's back in the day, 1962. I mean, she is like the original Kim Kardashian. Marilyn Monroe is get her in the spank bank. Is she's, she's, an old, she's great. I would have sex with her corpse. You have to understand that Marilyn Monroe was the most iconic person of all Hollywood stars of her time. Like she was number one. She was Kim Kardashian. She was Caitlyn Jenner. She was it. She was our go-to. Marilyn Monroe sang the sultry rendition of Happy Birthday, which was delivered with that sensual and seductive tone. As you can, you know, I, I sang it for you early in the show. You can press that on repeat. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Happy birthday to you. And she had this form-fitting flesh-colored dress, which just made it look, I mean, everybody just wanted to drop a nut on that. She was amazing. And it was provocative. And that was, that was porn back then. Her wearing a flesh-colored dress, singing happy birthday to the president while everyone knows he's having an affair and his wife with. That was, was open-air porn. Okay, nobody... They didn't have Pornhub yet. They didn't have any of that stuff. So this is the only way you could get it. Um, the performance fueled the rumors of the two having an affair. I mean, they and listen, I think it's pretty much been pretty much been confirmed. They 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 were deaf having sex. I mean, you know, I mean, he was the president. He's a good-looking guy. She's Marilyn Monroe. It's like you're gonna you're gonna have sex. That's just that's just how it is. You're one thousand percent having sex, just like Joe Biden had sex with Kim Kardashian. So that dress, this flesh-formed, form, this flesh-colored, form-fitting dress that Marilyn Monroe sung "Happy Birthday" to the president with, Kim Kardashian wore it. It's the dress Kimmy K wore in 2022. So we all know. I did not know that until it was just told to me that she also wore that dress. So at the Met Gala. At the Met Gala. So I'm going to pause this video, and I have to suddenly have the urge to go to the bathroom. <laughs> wow! What a birthday party. That ass. Dude, just 15, imagine that's your birthday party, 15,000 people at Madison Square Garden. My party was me, my aunts, and my kids at Dave and Buster's. <laughs> All right, so it's 1968, and the USA is in the Vietnam War. Kill them! As you may know, the United Service Organizations, the USO, played a crucial role in supporting American military personnel and their families, and they provided the entertainment and the morale-boosting programs all at MSG. So MSG, this was the place the troops would come back. You know, Bob Hope was always there, Bing Crosby. They were these entertainment legends. All right, so Bing Crosby and Bob Hope, two entertainment legends, famous for their film, film series like Road to Zanzibar, Road to This, Road to That. They did all these different films. They were always performing at the Garden. 
1968, they were entertaining audiences for several decades, and they did this joint appearance in a USO tribute, and it was the first performance ever at Madison Square Garden 3. So Bob Hope and Bing Crosby, very the most famous duo. At, they were like the impractical jokers of the day. They opened up Madison Square Garden 3, the very first performance for the troops, the USO tribute, and it was awesome. It was a banger. WrestleMania, the very first WrestleMania in 1985. It marked the beginning of wrestling tradition as we know it today, introduced wrestling to a broader audience, featured the iconic moments and personalities, Hulk Hogan, Mr. T, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Mr. Wonderful, all at Madison Square Garden. This is actually Mr. T's debut as Madison, at Madison Square Garden, went on to become a legend. Rock and Wrestling Connection, WrestleMania 1 was promoted as part of the rest, Rock and Wrestling Connection with celebrities like Cindy Lauper and Muhammad Ali. Um, wrestling legends, Andre the Giant, the Iron Sheik, Junkyard Dog, Junkyard Dog were all part of the event. It was pay-per-view, okay? So now how everything is pay-per-view with that stuff, this was the first one. First major sporting event to be broadcast on pay-per-view contributing to the widespread viewership and entertainment and wrestling fusion. It was the event that combined wrestling action with entertainment, helping WWE, helping, uh, WWE which you know, used to be called WWF, reach the biggest audience ever, and it set the stage for future WrestleManias, but the very first WrestleMania in 1985, Madison Square Garden. If you're a Chicago Bulls fan, earmuff, close your eyes. I know you know what I'm about to bring up. The iconic John Starks dunk over Michael Jordan, 1993, New York Knicks, versus the Chicago Bulls, which was a sick, one of the best rivalries of the 90s, Knicks-Bulls. Knicks rarely beat the Bulls because Michael Jordan was at the top of his game. And this dunk was just iconic. This was the 1993 playoffs. The New York Knicks, who was John Starks, one of their best players, I think he won sixth man of the year that, that year. There was, of course, the underdogs in the series because you have Michael Jordan and all these people. And then Jordan's you know, dominating team, they would go on to win the championship, the Bulls, but this place, John Stark's dunk, symbolized the Knicks' resilience and determination to challenge the Bulls' supremacy. Here, take a look at the dunk. This is so sick. Look at this. Oh, my God. I'm getting hard just watching this. Look at this. Oh. Sick. So sick. I wonder if... After that, John Starks is like, I just did, that was the most iconic dunk in NBA history. I wonder if like, he even knew that. Like how, cause that is what, that is his legacy. Of course, the New York Knicks and John Starks are the underdog here. Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls were the greatest, one of the greatest teams of all time. So that's why this dunk was so iconic. As the Knicks bring up the ball, the, the Knicks are bringing the ball up the court. John Starks gets a pass near the three point line. Starks drives to the basket. The defense was open for him for some reason. Drive, drive towards the basket. Creates a pick by Patrick Ewing, also an NBA Hall of Famer. I thought he was going to pull up and shoot a little baseline jump shot because that's what John Starks is good at doing. But instead, Michael Jordan then comes down to defend the basket, one of the greatest defenders in NBA history. And Starks just has it. Starks must say, you know what? I'm going to dunk in this motherfucker's face. You know why? Fuck him. Okay. He's a gambling addict. I'm going to put my nuts on his forehead right now. I'm John Starks, okay? I used to be, I was bagging groceries 10 years before this. I'm going to dunk on Michael Jordan. And it was literally the most, the most powerful, emphatic dunk with Starks. He just comes down and bangs it on him. Sideline dunk, baseline sideline dunk. And it was one of those things where like, you, I remember where I was when I saw that. I remember, I was sitting there, my dad... I would come over to visit me. 
because he would visit once a week and we were watching it together. And he went, oh, shit. And I remember I like got so nervous, I spilled my cereal. I had Lucky Charms and I, I spilled it all over myself. And I just, my mom wasn't home, so my dad didn't make me clean it up and I just had sticky knees for the rest of the day. And the dunk gave the Knicks a two-point lead with 15 seconds left in the game. They went on to win that game, 96-88, tied the series one-to-one. It's one of the most iconic dunks and iconic moments in NBA playoff history. The Bulls did come back and win the series and then win the championship. But still, uh, John, John Starks dunked in Michael Jordan's face, so I don't give a shit. So in closing, shout out James Madison, you beautiful, gorgeous founding father with your pantyhose stockings and your high, your high heel shoes and your little wig. I love a man in a wig. Shout out architect Charles Luckman for designing MSG4, the sickest arena that I will be performing in the basement of in the Hulu Theater, September 23rd. Shout out MSG for having the most iconic and best shows and sporting events ever. Shout out Riding the Bull. Shout out um, Billy Joel. Shout out Bull Riding. Shout out Billy Joel. Shout out Chris Stefano. Shout out Bill Burr. Shout out Hitler. MSG is amazing. I love going to that venue. It is my favorite arena in the world. It is an honor and a privilege to be able to go watch games there. I love, they do have facial recognition technology, so I hope when they recognize this face, I get a big check mark, um, because if I ever did lose my privileges going to the garden because of facial recognition technology, I would cut off my face and become trans so I could get into games. That's how much I love Madison Square Garden. That's how much I love you. This has been Christeries. Hope you learned something. And remember, yesterday was history.